My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Good evening. Welcome to Burning Issue. Now, endemic corruption in the country's law enforcement agencies has cost South, has cost South African society dearly. On Friday, the country lost one of its top detectives, Lieutenant Colonel Shalkanir, a commander in the police's anti-gang unit based here in the Western Cape. Now, Lieutenant Colonel was brutally gunned down outside his home in Bishop Levis in what appears to have been a well-orchestrated hit. He had been investigating several cases linked to unknown, rather to known underworld figures, and despite this, had no police protection. But the bigger picture, the bigger issue here is police corruption and the criminal underworld's tentacles in the police force. So why is a shift needed in the police service? Why should SAPS further strengthen anti-corruption and integrity structures and measures? And how does this corruption affect communities dealing with the daily trauma of crime and violence? Now that's what we'll be unpacking this evening in Burning Issue. We have a number of guests. We have some of them already in studio. And of course, we welcome your input throughout the show. You are welcome to send us a WhatsApp to the number 072 2380712 that is 0722380712 and also you can give us a call the number in the studio is 0214423530 let's now welcome our guest in studio we have a crime and anti crime activist Hanif Lunat no stranger to the show Hanif assalamu alaikum walaikum salam yazid and greetings to my fellow listeners of voice of the cap welcome back to burning issue <laughs> it's a pleasure and we also have in studio Rashad Carlson. Assalamu alaikum, Rashad. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Now, you are an ex Sayyid Park neighborhood watch member and you're also a community activist. Uh, that's what they call me. Yeah. Okay, great. Welcome to Burning Issue. Pleasure is mine. So, Hanif, we've seen now, you know, what appears to be, as I said, a well orchestrated hit on somebody, a police service uh, member who has been investigating several cases linked you know to known underworld figures there's been speculation there's been theories of this and that and the other what I mean I don't want you to go into kind of like trying to say, tell us what exactly could have happened or what happened but does do you think this points to dare I say an inside job oh. Because tonight Looking we're tackling police service and, and what's going on there, corruption and, the, you know, like what's going on. Yazid, if you looked at my post on social media, Facebook, where today I raised the issue of why good police officers mm-hmm. become victims or become statistics to uh, killings of this sort. It's obvious uh, I've raised one important point. Uh, there are various reasons why these things happen. Yeah. One is opportunist criminals that finds an opportunity to get or to take the gun off an officer because he's sit- sitting there idle or he's not really aware mm. of what happens around him. You get another one where it's well planned but it's localized. Then you get the big one, which is organized by organized criminals. 
that come from any part of the country. Remember, this officer was not only doing cases in the Western Cape. He was going as far as Free State, Natal, uh, Gauteng. He was doing the gun investigations with his colleague, uh, General v- uh, Vieri. And obviously, he became a target. So the killers could be anybody. Could be guys from overseas. Doesn't have to be local. Uh... Uh, because crime is interlinked it's a syndicate it's a syndicate and the fact that uh, they're dealing with issues that are very close and very important to these criminals that really brings in big sums of money Uh, it's a big huge business running Uh, it's drug syndicates it's Perlamoon syndicates it's uh, running syndicates uh, illicit goods syndicates. So we don't really know who the individuals are. But the fact that Charles uh, Kinnear was doing cases very close to very uh, very high-ranking uh, gangsters and criminals tells us that this was well orchestrated. It might have been carried out by an amateur in most cases because they hire... Uh, unprofessional guys to do the hit. But the professionals behind it are guys that really followed him well. I mean, if you listen to the technology being used to see what he's been doing for the last two, three weeks. I mean, it's something that has been going on for a long time. Uh, They don't just hit you in the spur of the moment. It's well organized. The kidnappings that happen in the business kidnappings, the businessmen's kidnappings, that's well orchestrated. The guys don't just come and decide we're going to hit Rashad Carson this morning. It's well orchestrated. They know his movements. They know he's got money. They know he's got money. They know what time he comes to work. They know when he comes to work. And that's why we become targets and we become vulnerable because these are organized criminals. Now, they are not only organized with technology. They are well secured and well guarded by the very police officers that we are talking about that needs the protection. Remember. Sorry, just repeat that. They are not only, it's not only technology that contributes to the killings of these police. It's also police officers within the system who are in cahoots, who are in cahoots with uh, this uh, I needed you to repeat that because it's yeah. such a big statement no, no, that we you can, are making. We, we need to be honest that we cannot you deny know? this fact. And I would take on any individual that, that would try and defend and say that I'm out of line when raising this issue. Now, I just want to tell our listeners that later on in the show, we will definitely have somebody. Um, well, actually... We'll have somebody from the South African Policing Union. And a disclaimer here is that we definitely have tried getting IPID, the Independent Police Investigations Directorate, on. They were on this very show, I think it was about two weeks ago. The spokesperson was on here. Um, the interview did not go very well, I will admit. Um, the spokesperson revealed that a very little, uh, very, she couldn't even give us the right percentage of numbers of cases that have actually been concluded. And IPID is the oversight body for the police officers to make sure that if a police is accused of any wrongdoing that the police officer does get investigated. I also just want to say that the South African Police Service has also been asked to come on the show and they declined to do interviews. And I'm saying it at this junk at this point because we are making an allegation against them. Yeah. Remember, we're not generalizing. I I've even gone on saying on social media that it's a small percentage that are corrupt. 
But the effects of those small percentage is on the, the larger percentage who are trying to be dedicated, honest, sincere. Uh, but, but there's another point. If you just look at the case which is currently running, where the officers were being charged for shooting or discharging a shotgun and killing a person, where her superior instructed her to either corroborate his story or face the results, which is intimidation, and that is public knowledge. And believe me, there are very, very many good police people out there. And you must commend them. The other day, Hanif and I saw some police action, and we actually gave them a, a round of applause. Because they were exceptional in what they did. The one nearly suffered a dog bite in the process. Mm, in the but you know what? They are good ones. But it's the ones who are corrupt, who are not satisfied with actually doing a community service. And a community service would be like a teacher. You don't go in for the money. You're going it for the greater good. They are, they are in it because they've now smelt the money. And the money is what now drives them. Hmm. We can extend that to politicians as well. Yeah. Look, I mean, I, I, I think that we, we can look at, um, at, at salaries, and that's another question. But what this comes down to is the person's... You know, the essence of that person's job is to protect people and keep them safe. And they, in fact, go out and put other people's lives in danger because they the kind of things that... I mean, somebody was killed last week. It's not the first time a police officer was killed. And you're saying, you know, you're linking it. and You're not linking it, sorry, but you're saying that there are cases where we know that police officers are also involved. Yeah, just remember, because of your involvement... You're actually allowing these syndicates to grow and to become strong and powerful in the, the areas that they work in. Um, for example, take an individual who has his area out in, I'm, uh, I better be careful which areas I use. Zimbabwe. <laughs> Zimbabwe. <laughs> because if I might just mention a name, they might link it to a certain uh, gangster. Um, say Lenza. It's the safest place I can okay. use because I know we don't have any gangsters living in the air. You can make up a name of a yeah. place. Yeah, <laughs> So say Lenzang. Or say Timbuktu. You're right. Yeah. Let's use the word Timbuktu. Uh, and afterwards we'll have coffee. <laughs> we'll have coffee at Timbuktu. <laughs> so let's use the word Timbuktu. And there's a gangster living out there and he's in, he knows he's protected by certain police officers at a certain shift. So in that shift, he can do what he wants to. He knows he's protected. He knows who's on duty at cluster level. He knows who's on duty at provincial level. So with that type of protection, he does what he wants to. Mm -hmm. And he got, I mean, there was a time when I was the chairperson of the provincial board. I remember being called two o'clock in the morning from a person out in Hanover Park who told me, Mr. Lunat, please drive to Hanover Park immediately there's a vehicle that comes from the Delft police station I'm going to mention that mm. from the Delft police station every Fridays and Saturdays that vehicle comes through is this going to be a long story no can we go for ads uh, let's go for it let's go I, I like that cliffhanger just before the ads let's go for ads yeah Welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamal. In this evening, we are talking about police corruption and the criminal underworld's tentacles in the police service. We are trying to understand exactly what leads 
to, for example, a killing of a top detective. It happened last week here in Cape Town. Lieutenant Colonel Schalkenier was killed. He's the commander of the police's anti-gang unit. Now, we have heard from our guest in studio, Hanif Lunat, that what happens sometimes at a police station is that if criminals know a particular officer or a person who's in charge is working that shift, they know they've got free reign to do just to do just as they please. Hanif, you were talking about a you you were a, you were relating mm. a story about doubt in a police yeah. off, uh, car. And, so, and when I got there, the vehicle had left. Yeah. That was about quarter past two, twenty past two in the morning. So the next there was morning, a Delft a police vehicle, van yeah. sent to yeah. which area? Do you, to Tumbuk, to Hanover Park. Are we still in <laughs> another area? Okay, not Tumbuk, <laughs> yeah, I'll mention no, no, okay. okay. this. Is the okay, area. Hanover Park. Okay, cool. <laughs> so the next morning. Uh, being proactive, I went to the to the commander. That time was the commander, wasn't the major generals. And I told the commander on duty that uh, cluster commander that um, I've got this complaint. I want you to AVL to the AVL system check the vehicle. Which yeah. vehicle from our station was on duty, and and we picked up the vehicle. But couldn't link it to any criminal activity. But I can tell you with great comfort that that vehicle was used to to transport drugs from one area to the other. A police it's a, vehicle. It's a, a police safer, vehicle. It's the safest way to transport. There's two vehicles that they use at the moment in transporting uh, drugs. It's ambulances. Private ambulances have been used. And police vehicles. Do you know what the kind of shocking things you're saying here tonight? <laughs> it's important that our communities become alert and they start becoming suspicious. It is to suspicious minds that we're going to stop. This t- and we need to report, become proactive, report vehicles that are suspicious in there. It's a pretty people don't know how to recognize vehicles of police. I mean, they, they're distinctly marked. So if you know a Dell vehicle is in Hanover Park, uh, and I'm going to say that Delft vehicles are clearly HL, one HL, which is my initials. <laughs> so, <laughs> and the fact that it's HL1 or HL6, so it's easy to identify the vehicle. Don't look at number plates because number plates can be changed. So mm. where do you look for that It's number? on the vehicle. On Each the vehicle. vehicle has a round circle with a number with in a it. vehicle number and where exactly like, would that uh, be lens down will be tl but so where exactly would that it's be on all sides yes. of the vehicle all sides it's on even on the top of the vehicle uh-huh. Uh-huh. so you can't go wrong it's in the two sides and it's clearly marked just the, just the point on that what when people report crime and a police vehicle comes to the scene it is imperative to take down that number don't worry mm. about the number plate that number will tell you who came to the scene. And if the case disappears, you have a record of exactly who was there. Each vehicle was there. Yeah. That's what we do in Saveron Park. Mm-hmm. We take down that number. Yeah, and also with technology, you could even just take a picture of it now. People that, have cameras that too. on their that's phones. And all that too. Things, that's imperative. Yeah. And if you must write a book, man. <laughs> oh, no, that's going to be a long book. <laughs> and that book's only going to come out next year, September, October, because that's when I run away back to Joe. <laughs> <laughs> He's been threatening for the last five no, years no, to no, run no, back no, to Joe. No, no, I'm definitely Look, on I, my I, way back. I, I'm really keen to know, though, okay, so because we're not going to have the police on, they don't want to come on. I mean, we understand it's a lot of other things going on. You mentioned in the break, maybe the minister even said something. No, 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 we understand that um, Charles Kinnear's case cannot go out in public because it's sensitive. 
It's not an ordinary police officer that's been killed. It touches it's too somebody many that has been dealing with very sensitive uh, matters. Yeah. Matters that affect um, the country, yes. not individuals or, or certain parts of this province. Gotcha. But now I'm dying to ask you, though, you make these bold statements against the, against the police service. What do they tell you? Like what feedback? No, no, that's one of the reasons why they remove me every time I become a chairperson. <laughs> so it's become the order of the day. I mean, I'm going to continue speaking the truth and speaking truth to power, and that's it. I'm but, a handler. We got you. But, no, but then yeah. every now and then they arrest him. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that yeah too. just for the fun of it. Yeah. Wow. I've been arrested. I've been put in a cell with rats as big as cats. Uh, in Clermont Police yeah. Station, yeah, and wow. uh, and I've been kept in there unjustly for three days. I mean, it's forty-eight hours. I was kept for seventy-two hours. Technicalities. Yeah. yeah. Let's just quickly look at some of the WhatsApp messages that have come through. So, listener five zero three nine sounds very disheartened by all of this. The listener says, "We all know who are involved in the underworld. So does the top officials of the police and politicians." They are all just corrupt, and it's sickening. They make and do as they please. Bribes are definitely on the card. Excuse me. And then listener 8691 says, I salute the bravery and openness of the guests in highlighting corruption in police and justice. The only concern is how do we get it right to get them together? How do we get criminals to stay behind bars? The listener 0115 says, The assassination of the lieutenant colonel is indicative of who really runs this country. Terrorists, gangsters, corrupt criminals, and big-time thieves. We, the citizens of this country, should be very concerned. And then listener 0840 says, As a police officer in today's life, if it is that you do your work 110%, you're signing your own death certificate. You cannot even trust your own partner next mm. to you. Wow. That, that's heavy. That's That's... You might think it's an, a, an indictment yeah. against them, but it's a fact. Mm-hmm. That does not. No, uh, but we, anyone can be also, bought, kind of thing. We, we also have to understand that when you enter the police service or any of these essential services, you're doing it with a good heart. But at some point, you get what is called a family, and you get what is called kids, and they don't come cheaply. But now, let, let's look at the opposite side of that. So you have the choice. You can stay straight and narrow, or you can go skew. Some of them choose to go skew. Some of them stay straight and narrow. But now we look, let's look at the other side, the political side. When you have nine provincial departments of safety and security, nine departments, and we've had it since 1994, just before the 1994 election, the power of all nine departments were pulled back to the national minister. Last year, the 2018-2019 budget for the Western Cape for the Department of Safety and Security was 320 million rand. Now, the interesting part is that MEC cannot hire, fire, discipline, instruct, or reprimand a policeman. So why are we paying 320 million over nine provinces over 26 years? That's a lot of money. Yeah. Look, there's obviously another, there's a whole range of other things involved in safety and security. It's not just like having a police officer. Let's also just look at No, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can counter that yeah. argument. Okay. Let us be honest. When the ANC, uh, I, I don't know. But let, <laughs> I, I, need to be I, I have yeah. a question uh, about I'm politics, sorry, people by the know way. I'm ANC, yes. but, yeah. but I'm going to read. When the ANC ran this promise, yeah. that 325 million rand was used to proactively empower communities to fight crimes and crime in general. You'll notice that during yeah. that duration. Hanif, you know what? Here's the thing. 
Let's stick to the topic, please. We, yes. We're veering off a bit into the, the, the realm, realm of like the other stuff. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Look, Kenya apparently had his police protection withdrawn. Okay? That's what we understand yeah. in the media. Now, do you think this was politically motivated or what other issues are, are at play here? Okay, I think that one I'm going to be avoiding. Oh, no later. problem. That's yeah, I fine. I'm sure you understand. I understand. Uh, I understand. There's a whole lot of things going on. Kenya, we know, was looking into a big range of, of situations. And yeah, we understand it might look, be look, sensitive. He, I need yeah. to mention that mm-hmm. his death to me is a shock and it brings great sadness because I worked with the man when he was working in Mitzitzplain and mm-hmm. eventually when he went into province. Yeah. What do you think the drug trade is in the western province alone between the 1st of January and the 31st of December? It must be billions. I mean, there's like one I would in say five. between 25 and 30 billion. We're talking arms, we're talking Perlamoon, we're talking uh, drugs, uh, crayfish, whatever. Crayfish. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. So you'll get 25 billion I'm going to Google what's the GDP of the Western Cape province. And let me tell Are you. The criminals making more than you, the it's government? Second, it's second to fuel. Possibly. Second to fuel. And fuel is something that a lot of people need and it's expensive. That's it. And it's second to fuel, I, uh, I think, yeah. in GDP. Uh, yeah. In Look, I mean, I read a statistic the other day that actually said that, that um, companies and crime syndicates make more money than governments do. Oh, no, no. That's... I mean, look at Mexico. Mexico yes. I'm, I'm, I'm worried myself and Rashad always say, we're turning into Mexico soon. Mm. Mexico, if you look at it, it started at the bottom, eventually got into the cities. Today, the... Government is run, run by correct yeah. by gangsters. Yeah. You, you buy your position. Yeah, guys, we have another guest that we'd like to welcome to the show. His name is Gra- Graham Lindost, and he's the chairperson of the Bishop Labour's Community Police Forum. That's Graham, my com- comrade. Graham, good evening and welcome to Burning Issue. Good evening and thank you for having us as the Bishop Labour's, and good evening to my good friends there in the studio or as part of this discussion as well. It's good great, evening, great having you with us, Pastor. Mm-hmm. Look, um, Graham, in your let's 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 localize this a bit now, okay? I mean, do you, how do you think police corruption and the abuse of power enables and allows the criminal underworld to operate? I mean, what have you seen or what have you heard? You're based in Bishop Lavis. There's crime there. How has the police enabled crime to flourish? Obviously, and, and, and especially with the assassination of Lieutenant Kenya, uh, um, you've, you've, you've seen so much things, and then you understand why are we not able to deal with crime in our areas. It's because our top cops in the province, they are corrupt. They are fighting one another. They are selling one another out, and that is why you, 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 you will not uh, solve the problems within, in, in our areas. I am so fearful of uh, after uh, what I've heard, especially from the uh, death of, of Colonel Kenya, uh, that there is not a will, willingness to want to deal with crime in our area. Uh, uh, um, our uh, crimes is just shooting up every month and nobody cares about it. So, and, and, and it's because of the corrupt elements within the police force. There's quite a lot of good ones, but we've, we've seen now there's, there's, there's corrupt ones as well. And the, the, the community, uh, I said it this afternoon when I spoke to our station commander, while these guys are fighting, the community is suffering. And we've seen it. You, you, you see the way they even deploy. They deploy 
to make sure that someone fails, but they don't understand while they want that person to fail, they're failing the community very badly. That is why we're picking up bodies left, right, and center in our communities. Graham, how are you, as the chairperson of the Bishop Lavis Community Police Forum, how are you holding the police accountable then if you are making these allegations against them? No, we 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 asking them the questions. We 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 constantly are on the cases and 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 and, and asking. And and we uh, I'm on record, especially on on your station, to say we're not going to accept just that a head will roll in terms of the Kenya case. Now we have already started to to, to talk with uh, legal uh, minds to see how we can criminally. Uh, keep the, whoever made decisions that cause uh, the colonel, colonel to be uh, vulnerable and eventually lose his life to, to keep them accountable criminally for that as well. So as a CPF, we, we, we constantly on the case and, and you can ask the province, uh, we've had Becky Taylor quite a few times in Bishop Labour because we call on them to come and account to us as well. Look, I'm going to refer now back to the Kenya case. Now, last year, and this is a question for all the guests, right? So last year, Kenya, was, Kenya asked for an urgent investigation into crimes allegedly committed by six members of the Provincial Crime Intelligence Unit who were allegedly linked to high-flying gangsters. Now, that's six people in the Crime Intelligence Unit, intelligence unit that he says were linked to high-flying gangsters, right? Now, it shows that he was well aware of the link between police corruption and organized crime. And that seems like a red flag. Hanif, what do you think? No, no, no I, was, uh, I was thinking that you were going to ask Graham there. <laughs> All of you. You were hoping. All of you. <laughs> you were hoping. Let's, I, I'd like to give everyone a chance. I mean, Graham might need to get a bit of water now after. Yeah. <laughs> the reality is all of us know where the dotted lines are. We can say that one's connected to that one, that one's connected to that one. But it's the lack of desire to change the status quo. Why? Because it's in my favor. As long as it's in my favor, I'm not going to rattle this cage. And then lies the problem. Lifestyle audits, yeah, no, that's fine. But when I put the money into someone else's account... You can hide. Yeah, no, seriously, how are you going to find it in your account? You're not going to find it in your account because I'm, I'm, I, I, might be, cash. I might people be corrupt. Cash. People have cash. Oh, there there well. are instances where people were found in accidents and passed away with suitcases of money in their boots. Seriously? Yeah. Come on. You don't, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to fix that. A, a lifestyle order is not going to find anything. A lifestyle order will say, this man has lived within his means. Yeah, but who else is living outside his means? Yeah. Look, I think after this, we, we want to go for a quick ad break because, you know, it pays the bills. <laughs> um, but we'd like to uh, just elaborate a bit more on this and then I have another question. Welcome back to The Burning Show with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. And we asked the question before the break, or we rather, we, we talked about the fact that um, Kinnear, the, the uh, Colonel Kinnear, who was unfortunately murdered last week, we asked the question about the red flag that he raised last year um, when he said that six members of the Provincial Crime Intelligence Unit were allegedly linked to high-flying gangsters. Now, we 
wondered about that and saying, you know, that's a red flag and now he was unfortunately murdered. Graham, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, as a, as a community, we're just disappointed that when he raised the issue, um, I think SAP's intelligence should, should have picked up and should have known that his life would be in danger because obviously he's been uh, touching a nerve that nobody would have wanted to touch and he had the guts and still up to, the, to his death had, had the guts to go into those areas and, and, and unearth things that needs to be unearthed. He was from what I understand, gunned down on the eve of him or of, of high-ranking officials that was going to be arrested. And obviously it was in their interest to gun, gun, gun him down. Um, I personally feel that Seth should have made everything, do everything in the power to protect the man because there was threats on the man's life. There was someone picked up in front of his home with a hand grenade. So they should have picked, uh, picked that up and, and protected him. So we disappointed as, as a community and as a community we, we're asking that if the police is not safe if the police doesn't protect their own people how can we expect the community to come forward with information and and still trust that they will be safe so so we're totally disappointed in the fact that we've lost a person because that person has really stood up and 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 thanks and, Graham. And, and so forth for us yeah thank you let's go to our whatsapp line listen to 1149 says let's hold our political leadership accountable for corrupt policing. Listener 5355 says, everyone is talking about corruption in the police services and in government, but what is being done about it to eradicate the corruption? And then listener 5593, that is not for the show. So, the last question I want to ask um, around the Kenya matter, um, Hanif, is, so how do you think the murder of Lieutenant Colonel Kenya is going to affect the work of the anti-gang unit? Let's be honest, uh, it's now put fear in a lot of officers. Okay. I mean, a lot of them now have gone under the radar. To ground. They've gone to ground. Uh, some are even going to think of retirement. I've spoken to one officer today who said, I'm going to take an early retirement, that's 55 years, that's next year. We're losing a good officer that we could use for the next six years. Unfortunately, he's made up his mind. He's not prepared to sacrifice his family for fighting criminals and that becomes disappointing you're going to be left with a bunch of rotten apples the good ones leave the dedicated honest ones leave with for good reason i mean i wouldn't want to be the fact that i walked away in, uh, from fighting crime i mean something that i passionately for 25 years had at heart i walked away from it and I feel nothing about it because I believe it is safer to be at home than to be out in the streets protecting people. It's a thankless job, yes, it. Even when it comes to a paid job, it becomes thankless. People don't appreciate police officers, honest ones. I'm referring to the dedicated, honest police officers. I'm not going to be praising uh, corrupt ones because they're there for the greed. And they are the cause of half the crimes that we have. And maybe they're even the cause of people disrespecting police officers and treating police officers with disdain. I mean, we know that we have had um, a brutal apartheid history where police were seen essentially as the enemy of the people and we transitioned into democracy maybe there's still a bit of a hangover a hangover of that but then coupled to that maybe it's the fact that we have so much police corruption and we have so many police 
officers, not many, but we have had seen police officers really wielding force. Even under lockdown, we saw this, you know. Yeah, they sometimes show, uh, fall short of saying that sometimes the, the style of the policing in the apartheid area is what we need. But the fact is, why? Why should we bring that type of policing in here? Can you define, I mean, can you define that type of policing, please? It was brutal. Brutal. I mean, brutal policing. It was decisive. Decisive and brutal. Decisive. Yeah. Let's not call it brutal. It was decisive. And the problem is we've become this accepting community. We'll accept whatever is given to us. And the problem is we tend to always blame apartheid. The police services went south after apartheid was abolished. We have to accept that. We've put people into positions, even if you look at the promotions. I know of police officers who left the force because of uh, nepotism, cabalism is a good word, where promotions are not done on merit, but on numbers yeah. and on favors. Yeah. Okay. Um, I wanted to just say that it was not that I was kind of blaming apartheid. I'm talking no, no, about no, the context no, that we come no. from. Yeah, there was one question that was asked. Yeah. How do we stop it? Yeah. I think yeah. if I can mm. go back. Yeah, I guess, I guess listeners also want to be enlightened on the way forward because obviously everybody's sitting at home and listening to this and they're thinking, well, what, what can no. we do about it? I guess we can all ask ourselves that question as Are well. Are we all going to sit in our homes and become armchair te- uh, which is, critics? Which happens a lot then in this show, unfortunately. Be, I, I always say, you yeah. are part of the problem. Yes. Mm-hmm. You are Very not part so. of the solution. We need to unite against crime. Where did you see that 12 or 13% of your community holds ransom the rest the of the community? 87%. Let's be honest. You're talking about the gangsters yes, being 12%? Yes, the criminals okay. are 12%. Why? Well, what's happening with the 87%? Are we invalid? Are we, are we ill? Are we sick? Or it's a matter of I don't want to get are involved. Are we retarded? Yeah. No, no, that attitude has to has stop. Has to stop because definitively. I mean... If you look at when I was the provincial chair, I went to speak to people at Kirsten Bosch community. That was about nine, ten years ago. And I told them, be careful. Don't think gangsterism is a colored issue because you are living in the leafy suburbs. And not long after that, you remember that little girl that was killed on the mountain? Mm, yes, yes. Why was it done? It was by a drug addict that came into the area. Then... That is exactly what I reminded them of. Don't sit back and think you're safe because your area is going to become a target. The same with us. Don't think your children are safe in your homes. They are bound to go out in the streets. They're going to be targeted by these ruthless, uh, unscrupulous members of our community. They're going to be enticed into drugs. They're going to be enticed into criminality. Uh, and the fact that we're going through a very challenging period, our kids are becoming vulnerable. Mm. They are bored to death. There is no, let's no relief. It, there is no alternative yeah. to drugs in the Western Cape. You look at our sports facilities. It's, it's a pop. mess. Yeah. It's a total mess. You know, if you go to Gauteng, every town, not city, every town has an indoor sporting facility. Which well our kids run. well run and kids use. In the Western Cape, let's take Mitchell's Plain. Show me one good indoor facility. We have one bicycle. So you, you, you're essentially raising the social issues social around, issues around that, can that give driving. Our kids. Yes. I mean, we shouldn't also, um, what, what I'm trying to get at is like, 
parents need to be aware of these social issues, obviously, and they should also, I guess, be informing the kids that if somebody tries to sell you drugs or tells you smoke this or try this, be aware of it. No, but there's another aspect. Mm -hmm. The aspect of the family unit having broken down. Yeah. That unit no longer exists. And the worst part is, I know who the criminal is in my area. My son, my daughter, my mother, my father, my stepson, they know who they are. Yet, we keep quiet. Why? Because we're deriving indirect benefit from it. Shukran so much. Just a quick message from one of our listeners. Listener 8691 says, Police have systemic problems and that causes people to think twice to report or assist in serious crime, which relates to fear of retaliation. Shukran for that. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. Now, what do we do when those mandated to protect us are serving other interests than public safety and security? In South Africa, police corruption leaves the public exposed to high rates of crime and causes distrust of the police service while allowing crime to flourish. Well, that's what we are unpacking on Burning Issue tonight. And of course, it's in light of the murder last week of Lieutenant Colonel Charles Kinnear, a commander in the police's anti-gang unit. We've had two guests in studio since the start of the show, and they are both activists, community activists, Hanif Lunat and Rashad Carlson. And we're now going to welcome Peter Ntsime. He is the Acting Deputy General Secretary of the South Africa Police Union. Peter, good evening and welcome to Burning Issue. Okay, good evening, and thank you for uh, for having us. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Now, let us look at, um, let's go straight to the headline, which was the murder of Lieutenant Colonel Kinnear. Now, just to confirm, I don't think that he was a member of your union, SAPU. Yes, indeed, he was not the, the member of our union, uh, but of course, as a South African policing union, we always look at the members of SATS at large. Um, these are our members. We have the interest in what they are doing, uh, their rights within the environment. So he was not our member, but uh, what happened to him is what can happen to any member of the South African Police Service, is what can happen to any member of our South African Policing Union. And uh, we are very much concerned about about uh, what happened to him and maybe to take the opportunity also to convey the message of condolences to his family about what happened. Mm-hmm. Now, you was a commander in the police's anti-gang unit and in fact last year he had also asked for an urgent investigation into crimes allegedly committed by six members of the Western Cape's crime intelligence unit who were allegedly linked to high-flying gangsters. Now, given that context and given that he was murdered, what do you think the impact will have on the police service? How will people be impacted who work for the police, police officers, investigators, etc., by this murder? Look, it's, it's really going to have a negative impact on the police at large. I think what is important for us to look at is that this person who was killed was one, was a commander, and this person was uh, investigating this kind of a crime of gangsterism. 
Um, most of our members are concerned now about their safety. They are concerned that uh, for them to take cases to court and to get conviction, they are now being targeted. And these are the members that we know that there's a lot of criticism against the police members. There is a lot of criticism from the public about uh, uh, the police not doing their job. But the few and most of our members, not few, but most of our members who are doing their job, they are now being eliminated from the system and brutally so by uh, gangsterism. And what is important also is that the very same commander was involved in investigation of his own colleagues to show that uh, when you are committed, when you are principal within the organization, you always do the job as mandated by the law. Remember that the police, we have obligation to investigate this kind of crime in terms of the constitution of the country. So yes, our members are concerned that uh, who is going to protect them when they are facing a situation like this. Okay. And what do you make of the police police minister's response to this matter, do you think it's getting the priority that it deserves? No, not at all. Uh, look, uh, we, we have uh, raised this issue on numerous occasions as South African Police Union. Our members have been killed every day. There is no outcry. There is a silent voice uh, from a member of parliament, from the president. Even today, we have requested the president to at least uh, raise a voice to say the police matters in the country is alarming and is totally unacceptable. This is not happening. We have requested the minister to engage the president on this matter. We have also called the commission of the police. Uh, we have requested a meeting with him to discuss the issue of police killing. Uh, remember that what criminals are doing, uh, they start with the police. Uh, it happened, they killed the police in the police station. They are now killing our members in their own residential home. That is to show the power that criminals have. So what we said is that the, the, the command of the police, he must now engage the ministry. He must engage the parliament and say, let us have tougher legislation to deal with the police killing in the country. Uh, members of the police have been killed more than in countries or torn countries. And no one, uh, it is only Minister Begitele who is always lamenting about the matter. And nobody else but only the minister who is a, a raising this issue. So it's very concerning to us, and then there is a very uh, serious concern that no one is uh, raising concern from all leaders, whether political leaders, religious leaders, or uh, Mm -hmm. uh, community leaders. Yeah. Peter, now, can you please just tell us how many members does the South African Police Union have? How many people in the service do you represent as a union? Uh, currently, we have more than 80,000 uh, members in the union and, of course, growing, um, uh, but currently is uh, uh, more than 80,000 of our members in the South African police, uh, Policing Union. And that's around the country, right? Yes, on, in the country, yeah. the, whole, uh, the whole South Africa. Can you name some of the kinds of jobs that they have? Say that again. Can you name some of the jobs that they have? Are they investigators, etc., etc.? Can you just list some of the yeah. jobs, please? <coughs> Yeah, it's, 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 it's variety of our members. Of course, it's all members are within the South African Police Service. Remember that you got your investigating officers, mm-hmm. and of course, these are investigating officers from different types. You got what you call general investigators. These cases that I uh, investigated at the uh, charge of fees that are reported. Then you have specialist unit, whether it's a uh, serious and violent crime. You have child, child and family violence uh, protection unit. You have your commercial branch, and you have your 
tax team, including this, uh, uh, the drugs, the anti-gangsterism, uh, uh, all these uh, are our members. And we also have members who are doing admin within the police, um, your public service act personnel who are working within the police. Yeah. So it's quite variety of job that our members are doing. Now, here's my question. You've mentioned the different jobs, right? Yes. And... I like that you mentioned that because it gives us an understanding of where the touch points are, especially with the communities that the police service is meant to serve. Now, there's tons of allegations against the police that it's in fact the police who may be leading to the murders of other police officers because they are collaborating with criminals and criminal syndicates. How does your union deal with that? One thing that the union has done, and and we always say this as the South African Police Union, that one, we are not going to condone corruption at all costs. And if one of our members is involved in corruption, we always tell them that uh, there's nothing much that you can do because of all members that we're having, you'll find that there's only few members who are corrupt. And it does then the image of the whole members within the South African Police Service. That is one issue. And you must understand that uh, there is a perception, a, an accepted narrative of what is happening. Police are always being, they, that they seem to be corrupt, all of them. And not all of our police officers are corrupt. And of course, those who, have been, who are corrupt are being arrested in most time. Who arrests these members? It is because of the partnership between the communities and members of the police. When the information is given to the police, those who are corrupt will be arrested and will be, that the law must take its course. But we don't want to paint every member of the South African Police Service and say, just because there are few that have been arrested or those who are corrupt, then the whole system or all members in the system are corrupt. We are very much concerned about corruption. Uh, it, there is a lot of our members that have been arrested, and we have engaged even the ministry, uh, the South African Police Service, to deal with the corruption within the police, particularly those who are um, uh, seen in the in the public space uh, doing corruption, those who are seen uh, uh, in, in media doing corruption. It's, it's totally unacceptable that they had to turn to the image of those who are doing their job at the level best. Can I just confirm something? Do you proactively aim to dismantle police corruption within the ranks of your members? Indeed, we, 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 we do that. Remember, part of what we do, we engage with our members. And like I said, when one member is arrested for corruption, let me give you an example. A member is going to be arrested for corruption. No, community members will look at that member and the perception is police members are corrupt, all of them. Now, it does then the image of the police. What do we do when we're having a meeting with our members? We ask them at all times, please understand the impact of your action when you're out there. If one member is corrupt, then the whole system is seen to be corrupt. And we do co- engage in our meeting with our members. We do engage in seminars with our members. A few years ago, we had the anti-corruption symposium. We are the only union that have called for the anti-corruption symposium. We have engaged management of the police to look into methods that we can use to assist in the cause of corruption. Because we don't believe that corruption is, is, is just one-sided. We believe that it's a corrupter and it's a corruptee. We look into the, uh, the weaknesses within the system, why people are taking advantage of the police and what is it that they are doing to say, let me give this person money. And it does have a concern 
we have a concern as, as a union that if some of our members and if we find one of our members being involved in corruption uh, and there's nothing that's been done, we're going to have a whole system or the whole of our members being deemed to be corrupt when they are not really corrupt. So we are doing prevention methods and we're engaging them at all costs. Mm-hmm. Now you had mentioned that um, you would have expected more from the government to act more decisively and also to be a bit more, uh, if I can say, um, vociferous in helping to, uh, you know, stop the murder of police officers and, and, and also speak out louder about it. Now, obviously, as an employee, you also have managers. I mean, your South African Police Service Management, how do you hold them accountable for the murders of members? Because politicians, you know, they are, are obviously uh, um, at a level of decision making, but you also have managers. I mean, what happens within the organization? Um, we one let me uh, from the point that you've just raised. We have always said that we must leave politics for politicians, and we must leave the police for police officers. Indeed, the management of the police will always engage with them. It is only during the September month where we see commemoration of the police, where we call the families of those who have been killed while uh, on duty or in line of duty, and they, they are being remembered. SAP, we have engaged the ministry. They have engaged the commissioner himself. Even now, that is why we have called a meeting with him to see him and discuss the issue of police killing. It is not only the colonel that was killed over the weekend in Western Cape. We have another member that was killed. We we, we recently have seen uh, one of the Hawks members in Pumalanga that was also killed. So we are we are worried about it. The problem is there is an issue of lack of manpower within the police service, and we have called for re-enlistment of uh, reservists. Uh, this is some of the issues that we have raised with the commissioner. Let us re-enlist the reservists in the police one. Secondly, let us look into the security officers that are employed by the police now. Re-enlist them in the police or at least employ them as police officers. We have members of Public Service Act who are doing administration but are within the system. They, must, they need to be employed by the police and it's going to assist in the manpower or in the uh, issue of trying to address uh, a shortage of, uh, of, of of human resource within the police station that are there. If we don't deal with that, we're still going to have a problem. Lastly, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. issue of re-establishment of the uh, murder and robbery squad. If we don't have this unit that specialized in the investigation of murder and robbery, we're still going to have a problem because currently we raise issues when a senior person, a celebrity, or one of our members have been killed. But criminals, they don't care whether you are a police officer, they don't care whether you are just a, a, an ordinary citizen. What we said is that if we have a specialist unit that can deal with this kind of crime, at least they will just investigate. Previously we had this unit and they were very successful in terms of investigation uh, this kind of crime, including conviction. Because if we don't deal with the issue of conviction, we're just going to arrest them and then six months, one year after the arrest, you see the person is also working on the street and no conviction. But mm-hmm. if we know that any person that has been arrested will be convicted and they will have a heavy sentence, at least 20 years maximum, or 20 years minimum that the person must be sent to the uh, correctional facility. Okay, okay. Let me just check. We are. We'll go for a quick ad break. When we come back, we'll continue this. The burning issue. 
Welcome back to the Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. I still have on the line Peter Nsime, and he's the Deputy General Secretary of the South African Police Union. Peter, I must say that your interview is super informative, so thank you for that. Thank you. And I also have in studio with me two community activists. I have Hanif Lunat and I also have Rashad Carlson. I'd like to now further the discussion. Um, and I want us to have a, a discussion collectively. So, Hanif, you had a question around leave, police leave. And, of course, Peter was saying, you know, that there's a, um, a shortage of, of staff, actually, in the police. Yeah, and I tend to disagree with Comrade Peter on that one. Uh, for one reason, uh, policing is a business. It's like running pick and pay stores. I mean, if you have bad management, you're going to go bankrupt. And I don't believe there's a shortage of police officers. I believe we have a sufficient amount. But it's the way we've run our police stations. In fact, the heads of some of our police stations don't deserve to be there. Uh, They've been put there because of the system. I know somebody, somebody. It's all favoritism that needs to stop. The best man must get the job. If we want to bring back the integrity of the police. Uh, remember, absenteeism, uh, bad management, stress leaves, compassionate leave, family responsibilities, all these uh, leaves contribute towards uh, the lack of policing. And if you have good management skills, you will come around that and you'll, you'll ensure that your police officers... I mean, there was a time when I came into this province and I came with a great knowledge of sector policing because I was part of the policy making of sector policing. And sector policing, as Comrade uh, Peter. Peter will know, that two police vans were supposed to be earmarked for each sector in each shift. Unfortunately, today we have one van running three, three sectors. That shows the bad management we have in our policing service. Now, how do we overcome this? How do we bring back sector policing? Because I believe, I'm a strong believer that sector policing will eradicate uh, the crime that we anticipate every day. It is through, it is through sector policing that we're going to eliminate uh, gangsters in our area because there's a constant movement of the vehicle. Who is going to take a chance of selling drugs in the street corners when there's vans all the time in the area? I mean, a sector is not so huge, so mm. two vans suffices. But unfortunately, you'll find, go to any police station, Yasit, at on a Friday evening, you know, a, 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 a crime-infested police station like Athlone, there are times when they only have five or six officers on duty mm. on a Friday night. But are you saying it's because the others are on leave? Yes, it's because of bad management. The, the commander of the station doesn't run his business properly, or the administrators or his human resources. No, but honey, it goes beyond that. Hi, Peter, it's Rashad here. It goes beyond that. It goes to the fundamental of how the leave policy is designed. Because I can put in, there's a four-day on, four-day off policy. I can put in on my four-day on, put in for leave for four days 
uh, when I come, when I, I am actually on back on. So that means I should be eight days off with another four days after that. But during my four days off, I call in sick, which means two of my days are not leave days. So I add that to the end of that last cycle. So I've gone 14 days without working. See the problem, Peter? Hi, Peter, yeah. are you with us? Yes. Yeah, yeah no, I'm yeah. with you. Uh, no, no, I can respond to that. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> look, uh, the issue of the leave is regulated uh, in terms of the policies in the government. And yeah. uh, we've got what you call PSCBC. That has to uh, change. So, yes. And then uh, I, I, I would not say that there is anything wrong with the leave because it's, it's a policy of the government. Uh, if you work the shift and you have to work a certain hours in a, in a week and you have to rest certain hours. Police officers work the shift. They are there for four, two days and two nights and they have to take rest days for four days. When they take their leave, it is a time when they were supposed to be on leave. But let me come to the issue of the, 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 the issue of management in the police. You can blame the management in the police in terms of the leave or in terms of how they do the management within the police environment. The fact of the matter is when you talk about crime, sector policing, for example, if you need two vans, there's two vans, they must be meant. Somebody, there must be a the driver, there must be a, 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 a crew in that car. In other words, you need to have four police officers in those two vans. And if you have a police station only having two police officers, one van is going to be parked. You are not going to have a human resource. You are not going to have a police officer driving that car. That is why we're saying there's lack of human resource. Secondly, the relationship between communities and the police. If one would blame the intelligence environment with the police, I would understand. Because crime is not being solved by only the police who are patrolling. It's also solved by the information that the police are gathering from the communities so that you have a crime intelligence kind of an operation where you go to these people, you arrest them, and you know that those who are arrested are those who are committing crime. And lastly, when you talk about the issue of members who have to take leave, if a member is off is the member is having stress is a doctor that will tell that member that will tell the management of the police that this member cannot perform duties yes some of these members are stressed but the question is what is the cause of the stress we have we as South African Police Union have raised the issue of the work environment of our members some of these members are going to the doctors because they can't cope anymore you see dead people you, you go and you have to investigate you have a pressure from the community that needs the best result you have a pressure from management that tells you that you have to work and there is no appreciation they crack yeah. and most of the time when they go to the doctors and they tell say you need to rest mm-hmm. and we can't blame our members because if the doctor tells you that you need to go home you need to go and rest and there is no deep breathing after this mom, yeah. police officer peter? let me take western cape yes yeah peter i don't want us to expand too much on that the main yes. question here around our conversation this evening is what is wrong in terms of the police service that leads to other police officers and other police service members being killed, right? So we know and we understand that there are corrupt police officers that has an impact not just on, on, on lives, where lives are lost, but there's a broader impact on community. And another part, another factor that influences or that impacts on this is politics. And I want your insight on this because we have already asked this question of our guests in the studio. Now, and, and you guys can answer on this as well, by the way. Now, 
at a political level, we know that there's factionalism, right? Yeah. But now mm. you want to understand, I mean, we know that there's different political parties. The Democratic Alliance and the Western Cape is always telling us that it's the ANC national government that's uh, managing the police service and that's why we're in so much crime and then the ANC blames the DA for something else but even within the police service we know that this political factionalism now how does that affect how is that part of the problem you know I mean and, and does that then mean that the criminal underworld you know knows who to go to in terms of even high ranking politicians because we know that from our understanding, it's not just in the police service, it even extends to politicians. Now, what is your take on this? Share some information that you might know about this. Look, um, there is that kind of uh, factionalism within the police, of course. And, and we as South African Police Union have raised one thing, and I, I stated it when in my opening remarks, that we need to leave the politics for politicians and we need to leave the police for police officers remember the police have the constitutional obligation to provide the service to the people of this country it is not through uh, politics we, we we have regulation there is a law that tells us this is how we need to conduct uh, the, the the policy and we render a professional services Poli- a politician will always come and guide us in terms of what needs to be done now when we have a, 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 a challenge, for example, the Western Cape issues between the ruling party and the DA, we always tell our members one thing. What does the law say? What is it that the police officer must do? And this is exactly where we're coming in. We always engage management to say, let us not involve our members within the politics. Because politicians come, politicians go. But police officers will always be expected to render the services. It will be difficult for us as the union to involve ourselves in that space because we, we, we always distance ourselves, not distance per se, but we always say our members must not be involved as long as they provide a better service and a professional services as mandated by the constitution of this country. And it is there, it is on the public domain. What police officers must do, it is known, if they have to go and arrest, we have to prevent crime, we have to investigate crime, and we have to protect the citizen of the country. It's a very but, simple but mandate that we question, have as a police. the question. Do you think that the criminal underworld has widened the net to even high-ranking politicians that could have influence on policing? We think the criminal underworld have impact in the police. Uh, we, 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 I don't want to say uh, uh, within the hiring of the police, but we have seen uh, on record, uh, including a former commissioner in Western Cape, who been arrested because of the involvement of the criminal underworld. The fact that we are losing the war against the criminal underworld tells you that uh, there is a problem. But I wouldn't now uh, point a finger within the hiring people if we don't have this. Remember, we coming from the police environment. If we investigate, we must say, yes, there is this kind of investigation. Yes, there is a proof. And then that's proof, uh, that, 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 that matter must be investigated. We can confirm that you are losing hope against the, uh, the brutal system of criminal uh, underworld. But I wouldn't point one person who is not arrested. Those have been arrested and those have been pointed, they've been uh, removed from, from the system. Yeah. Do you think that police killings or the killings of police service members do you think that this is a means to discourage them from pursuing certain high-profile cases 
It is indeed. It is. Uh, this is it's, it's a message that the criminals are sending to the police. It's a message that the criminals are saying that we are in charge in this country. It's a message that they are saying to everyone in this country that they control not only uh, the system, but they control everybody. Look how our members are being slaughtered and killed on a daily basis. Yes, we believe that uh, uh, if, if nothing is going to be done, very soon we are not going to have these protectors protecting the communities. And this message when it started they were uh, we saw members uh, of the police being killed in the police stations we saw members when they, they were being killed uh, driving a, a a car or a biking uh, on the on the street and you just see people using military weapons killing our members when they're having only the pistol there is no outcry there is no one who is saying but this is this cannot be uh, like this anymore. There's no one say this is totally unacceptable. There is no one who is saying this is treason. There is no one who is saying this attack on these police officers is an attack to the stake. There's no one who is saying an attack to these people is something that is alarming or concerning. So that, because of that silent voice, shows you that criminals are now in charge. And this, when they, what they're doing now, they are killing senior managers in the police. It's clearly that it's no longer about the constables. It's now saying they can kill each and everyone who is within the police, and particularly those who are doing high-profile cases. Look, Peter, you are certainly giving us interview, uh, information from the police service side which I think a spokesperson for the police wouldn't have given us. You are speaking very clearly and very directly about what's happening. You are saying police officers are involved. You are saying that not enough is being done to protect police officers from a political level, from from various levels. Now, in wrapping up, can you tell me then, what is the union's position? What should be done to eliminate the ongoing corruption within the police service and also to ensure that there aren't means for the criminal syndicates and the criminal networks to infiltrate into the police service? First point, you need the police management need to look into the uh, intelligence environment, the, 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 the crime intelligence. Uh, any investigation of crime, you need to have uh, your intelligence community proper information that you have to get. The partnership with the community, like I said earlier on, there is a corruptor and the corruptee. You need to have a good relationship between the, uh, the business and uh, uh, communities uh, uh, and the police. You need to have a proper relationship between community level and the police. Now, if we can deal with that, that information that is go, whether it go to the station commander, the uh, provincial commissioner, or any head of the detective, when they coordinate that, we'll be able to look into who are the corrupt members of the police and those will be removed from the system. The second part, re-establishment of the uh, the special investigation, including anti-corruption unit. If you can have the special people who deal with corruption in the police, remember, those who are investigating corruption are also members of the police. Now, these investigating officers, we always uh, pretend as if they are not our members. They are our our members who are doing excellent job investigating their own colleagues and sometimes having conviction at court where they can prove to the magistrate that this member was corrupt. So we always say to many men of the police, let us engage, let us uh, create this relationship, and most importantly, let's make sure that we remove those who are corrupt from the system. Okay. I mean... Do uh, it goes without saying then, right? That corrupt police officers actually also can manipulate cases and investigations. Say it again. 
I mean, it's, it goes without saying. It's quite obvious then that police, corrupt police officers, do manipulate cases and investigations. Look, I wouldn't want to agree with that because uh, uh, if, 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 if uh, corruption is happening, a lot of people need to understand that um, when corruption has been reported, it's always given to a, a different sector or a unit that have to uh, do investigation. Uh, uh, the involvement of those who are um, uh, suspecting the case are always removed from what are the police station and uh, uh, the environment where they are working. So you're saying the investigations, the people who are doing the investigations are not necessarily going to be corrupt is that what you are saying the investigations into let's say criminal activities that's what I'm getting at no, no, no. They're not going to. We, 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 we have, that is why I said earlier on that uh, we have seen some of our members investigating their own colleagues. Uh, it's not. It's not an easy when you have to investigate a corruption case against your own colleague, having you have to arrest your own colleague, having you have to put him before the court, and having you have to convict or to prove before the court that this person has committed corruption. Yeah. And okay. Based on that, yes. we're going to go for a break now, Peter. I want to say thank you so much for joining us this evening on. Thank you so much. Your interview has been invaluable. Welcome back to The Burning Issue. We are now going into the last minutes of the show and we are going to welcome to the show Julian Rademeyer and he's the Director of Organized Crime Observatory, it says. Julian, good evening and welcome to Burning Issue. Assalamu alaikum and thanks, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, it's the, the Organized Crime Observatory at the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime. It's a bit of a lengthy name. Yeah, yeah. Julian, for our listeners, tell us what you do. So the, the Organized Crime Observatory is a research observatory uh, based here. It covers southern and east Africa. Uh, the global initiative itself is headquartered in Geneva. We work globally on issues of organized crime and conducting research. Uh, we, we have a network of around 500 experts that form part of the GI, uh, you know, including people working on development issues uh, in law enforcement agencies, government. Um, and we have a number of projects that are looking at, at a variety of, of illicit economies from gang and gang violence through to the drugs trade, uh, looking at wildlife crime, uh, illegal mining, uh, illegal firearms, and a variety of other issues. Okay. Now, we want to, of course, this evening focus on police corruption and how that, in fact, you know, leads to actually more crime, to be frank, you know. Now, what are some of the key observations that you have about the murder of Lieutenant Colonel Kinnear? I mean, he was someone who was looking into very high-ranking gangsters. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is an absolutely horrific event, and I think that you you can't overstate the significance of this and what it means for for South Africa as a whole. Um, you know, I, in the space of just six months, uh, we've had two senior lieutenant colonels in the the Hawks um, and also then in the gang unit um, investigating organised crime who have been targeted and assassinated. One was uh, Lieutenant Colonel Leroy Brevere, who was um, ambushed on a road in Mumbai. Bela um, by gunmen with heavy caliber weapons and killed. And he'd been involved in a number of organized crime investigations up there, including into into riot poaching and some quite dangerous syndicates. Now we have the assassination of, of Lieutenant Colonel Charles Kinnear. So that's two very high-ranking police in the space of just six months. 
Um, I see this as something that is a turning point for South Africa. I think that um, you know this is something that should uh, that should attract widespread condemnation and outrage. I think it's a very slippery slope that awaits us from here, and I think that it's vitally important that the state and law enforcement be seen to act decisively and speedily on this, and that we see arrests and we see successful prosecution, because the the alternative is is too ghastly to contemplate. You know, you only need to look at at countries like Mexico, where, for instance, um, this kind of violence, police assassinations, um, killings have have become normalised. Um, where, you know, earlier this year, Mexico City's police chief uh, narrowly escaped an ambush. Where last year you had 13 police killed in an ambush by by narcotics um, gang members. Um, and I think that. Something like this can be used as a as as a galvanizing event in society. Are you, um, you, are know, you suggesting? Look, yeah. Are you suggesting mm. that this type of assassinations or murders could become the norm here in Cape Town? I think I think that we have become dangerously inured to the levels of violence in our society. That something like this is not. Um, attracting the sort of widespread front page news coverage that I think it probably should be getting, that we're not seeing people, um, you know, completely outraged and taking to the streets about this. I think it's in a very, very dangerous moment in our history when you have senior police like this being targeted and killed. Um, and, you know, I think that the problem is, and your earlier guest was talking quite a lot about um, corruption within the police force. Um, I think that, you know, what we do see is that the good cops out there, the people who are doing the work, who are making a difference, who pose a threat to organized crime, are the police who will be targeted and killed in cases like this. Um, and I, I'm worried about the chilling effect that that could have on law enforcement more broadly. You know, we've seen in other countries where police will just simply stop investigating because the risks are too great, or they'll align themselves with particular gangs for protection. Or another even worse case is you start seeing the growth in uh, vigilante policing, where police will go out and not bother to arrest suspects or see prosecutions through, but will simply execute them. I think that this really, you know, we, we can't understand, understate the, the significance of this, this event. I think that, um, you know, this could really be an event to change society. It could be an event to change the way that we approach things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you if if you look at Italy and the murder of Giovanni Falcone, the the mafia the judge in 1992, that became a seminal event in in Italy um, and led to massive street protests, protests, a huge backlash against the mafia, and for the first time, concerted prosecutions. Okay, now we've had. Community activists in Syria talking about police corruption. We've had a union even admitting that there is definitely, you know, there are criminal elements even within the police. From your perspective, from your organization, what do you know about the South African police service and, you know, corruption within the service even? I think I think the tragedy is that there are some very good police out there, some very good investigators, very good detectives. You know, I, I know quite a number. Um, but I think that corruption has become so widespread that it has a crippling effect right through the police force. We've seen this with, for instance, the crime intelligence units, uh, you know, looting of secret funds which are meant to be used for, for investigations. 
um, you know, we've, we've seen the, the crippling of, of crime intelligence capacity. Um, I was talking to someone today in relation to, um, you know, illegal mining in South Africa, where um, who works in security on one of the mines, who says that they've been instructed by senior people in the police not to bother taking cases to local police station level because of the levels of corruption. Um, so I think, you know, I think this is, we're in a very dangerous space. I think then there needs to be an urgent attempt to, to address corruption within the police. I think that it undercuts the good work that is being done mm-hmm. by officers within the police. And I think that it's, you know, it's so widespread that ordinary citizens no longer feel that they can trust the police. You know, I think that, I think that the fact that you have organized crime uh, groups who think that they can assassinate senior police officers shows the complete lack of fear, you know, the fact that they feel that they um, they can simply just go out and take out someone who stands in their way uh, without fearing repercussions. And I think a very strong message needs to be sent there. Yeah. Um, so in some ways, we're reaping the whirlwind. Okay. But so, I mean, you're focusing also on transnational organized crime. Now, yeah. we know that this isn't just somebody up the road who's going out there and pick and, and, and robbing somebody of their cell phone and, and trying to get couple, you know, to get took or whatever. I mean, these are people who are, it's like another country. It's another economy. It's like they've got yeah. their own systems. I mean, if our police are being hamstrung by corruption within the service, then obviously the knock-on effect is that multinational and transnational crime syndicates can flourish in this country and in our city. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think the, the scary part in a way is that it's people like Lieutenant Colonel Charles uh, Kinnear and Leroy Brevere who, you know, were the kinds of people who were standing up to that. But they, they clearly did not have the support that they needed. We all know about um, protection being withdrawn for, for Lieutenant Colonel Kinnear. Um, you know, I, I think many cases, a lot of these, these, these good cops are working and feel that they're working alone. They, they don't have the support that they, they require. They don't have the resources that they require. And that allows organized crime networks, both transnational and also local, to grow and fester. Um, you know, with, with, with very little impact. The, you know, it's, it's pointless having arrests of low-level foot soldiers or going after the odd sort of um, kingpin in a, in a criminal network. What you need are focused, targeted investigations that go after the operational levels of those criminal networks. Um, you know, otherwise, you, you're essentially trying to sort of, you know, redo the same thing over and over again. It's a bit, of, bit like a game of whack-a-mole. Yeah. Look, I think the last question I just want to ask you is now looking at the fragmentation of law enforcement in South Africa. We've got mm. at a city level, we've got uh, the Metro Police at a provincial level. Of course, we've got this SAP. Then at a national level, you've got the police minister. And then you also have, for example, fragmentation within even that because of political will and politicization and so on. But then the last question is, does that make it easier to infiltrate and to persuade and bribe members of the police service if there's so much fragmentation politicization of the police service as well i think what 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 makes it more problematic or you know what makes it more likely is the lack of repercussions you know how often do we see repercussions when either metro police or police officers are involved in corruption 
Um, you know, time and time again, uh, cases come up. We know of police who've got criminal records, for instance, who are still serving. How often do we see action being taken? Um, yeah. You know, can we, you know, it's been a very long time since we've had an independent anti-corruption unit investigating police corruption. Yeah. Um, and it was a very successful unit. And it was one of the units, like um, various others, like many of the specialist uh, police units themselves, the Scorpions, etc., that died a death. Um, and, you know, in some ways that was tied to corruption too. Um, so, you know, I think I think we need, it, it's a case of, the, of government and the police ensuring that corruption is seen to be dealt with and yeah. seen to be dealt with harshly and that these cases are prosecuted. Yeah. Let's see rid of that. Julian, thank you so much for your time. We do appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. So back to the studio, Hanif, and of course our other guest. Rashad. Rashad. Yeah, Rashad. Wow, guys. This was a lot of talking this evening. I just want to thank both of you. Shukran so much. A minute, a few seconds to both of you for closing remarks. I mean, there's been so many indicators that the police needs to improve. Very yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Uh, we've been speaking about police corruption. How do we stop it? If we're not going to stop it, we're going to continue allowing it to grow. Yeah. We as sure. communities need to proactively get involved and stop it. Yeah. Sure. Uh, like uh, our guest just said now. Cool. Ed, yeah. Rashad, your closing remarks? Mine is very simple. To fight crime and criminality, each and every one of us have to take responsibility for our neck of the woods. When we hear noise outside, we don't peep through the, through the curtain. We turn the light on and open the window. Great. Show them that you're there. Yeah. That's how you're going to fight it. Yeah. Shukran. Shukran to all our guests for this evening's show. Um, it was really a burning issue. From myself, Ezekiel Kamaldin. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs>